Um, a very warm welcome to the spiritguides.co.uk network radio podcast, Dolores. Um, it's great to have you on, on here. Um, you are extremely well known. I know that you've written 15 books on many different subjects. Doing a, a workshop, or is it a talk, in London on the 31st of August to do with the, the dynamics of global transformation. And that's at the Wardorf Hilton Hotel in London. Um, I know that there'd be quite a lot of listeners and visitors to our website that would really like to hear more about this and, and hopefully they will pop along to see you if there's tickets are, um, still available for that. So just before we get into the show, just wondered if you if you wanted to go into sort of some of the um, the things that you'd be covering at the talk in London. Okay, uh, I've just gotten back from a, um, a nationwide tour here in the United States. Well, we've uh, traveled all over the United States the whole month of July and we didn't even come home. We just went from city to city. And this was what we called the Awakening Tour. And it, the idea is, you know, the people are awakening right now. They're beginning to know there's a lot more out there than they ever believed. And it's like the veil is beginning to thin. And you know what I mean by the veil. They're becoming more aware. And so I'll probably be continuing the same kind of a talk when I get to London. Because this seems to be what people are more interested in. Yeah, that we are moving into a new dimension, a new frequency, what's called the new earth, and everything is changing. This is a very exciting time to be alive right now because of all the changes that are taking place and the way time is moving very quickly. And um, it's, a, it's a time that's never happened in the history of the earth before. So it is wonderful that we are alive right now. Uh, so I'll probably be covering parts of that. But all of the information that I give in all of my books and in my lectures all comes from my work. I, you know, I don't channel. I'm not a psychic. It's all from my, the, the investigative work that I've done in my hypnotherapy. I consider myself the reporter, the investigator, the researcher of lost knowledge, and that's what I've been doing for 35 years. So that's why I've written so many books. I keep accumulating more and more information. But it all comes from the clients, the people that come to see me. Uh, do you want me to go into a little yeah. bit of background for what I do? Yeah, I would like to because I know that we, when you first started off, you were doing regression, probably in the normal sense of regression, trying to help people with um, past issues. And then even you touched upon sort of past life stuff, didn't you? Um, and you even was a UFO researcher for a while. But then everything kind of switched over to the awakening. So if you could sort of talk around that, that would be great. Okay, yeah, because I started in hypnosis over 40 years ago. When I began, there wasn't any new age, there wasn't any, people didn't know much about reincarnation, especially in this part of the world, in the western part. And they didn't know what past life regressions were, not, none of that. So I guess you could say I was a pioneer. I began before anybody even understood any of this. So the first books that I wrote dealt with these things and nobody understood them. I couldn't get it published because nobody knew what I was talking about. But it began with simple, ordinary hypnosis that I was using for habits. Stop smoking and lose weight. And this was in the 60s. And all of a sudden it went into reincarnation and past life regression. 
by accident, if anything ever is an accident anyway. It happened unexpectedly. And then I just went from there, and it's been over 30 years ago that I got into the past life regression totally. And that was, I don't do the other kind of hypnosis anymore at all. So I was doing the past life regression, and this was uh, taking people back into the other lifetimes to find the answers to the problems in this lifetime. And this was going along real well. That's how I wrote my first books, because they dealt with more or less with history. Because when I do my sessions, I work in the deepest possible level of trance. It's called the somnambulistic level. At that level, the conscious mind cannot interfere. It, it can't have any input in it. That's the part we don't want. The conscious mind is the stupidest part of the human being. <laughs> So that's the part, it doesn't know anything, but it always tries to get in there. So in the lighter levels of trance that most of the other hypnotists use, the conscious mind is always in there trying to interfere and take over. So I found a method that we can remove the conscious mind, get to the part that knows all everything and has all information, and that's the part I was working with. And this is my first books that I wrote dealt with the history. Because when you're working at that very deep level, the person goes into a past life, they become the other person totally. And this life has no meaning. They don't even know anything about it. They don't remember it. It fades away, and they are that person in time. So to me, it's like time travel, going through time tunnels to actually be at that point in history. And then when the person wakes up, they don't remember anything because at this this uh, depth that I work at, they have no memory. And uh, they just think they've taken a nap. But this is where you can get all of the information. So a lot of my books did deal with history of people that were at these different time periods. And I did that for several years, and I was still seeing clients and doing the past life regression. Then it began to take another turn. And um, I guess it's been 20 years anyway that now I'm working with a method that I have evolved that we can have instant healing in addition to just going back to the past lives and getting the information of how it relates to them in this life. We can also have instant healing by doing this. And just one session, that's all it takes. Because, you know, you make yourself sick. The, uh, the body should never, ever be, have any problems. It should never have any uh, aches, pains, or anything. The body should be in perfect health and harmony at all times because the human body is a miraculous machine that has been created to take care of itself and heal itself if we don't interfere. So this is what I found. People make themselves sick. And if your mind is powerful enough to create something like that in your body, it's also powerful enough to take it away. But first we have to find out, why did this happen? Why did I do this to myself? And that's what I'm dealing with now. People come to my office here in this little town in Arkansas, in America. They come from all over the world to have these things done because we have found how effective it is. And I'm teaching this method now all over the world. 
Oh, I just came from a class. I just got back last night. I've been giving at least 12 classes a year and uh, all over the world. I'll be doing one when I'm in England, too. This will follow the lecture that I'm going to give. I'll be doing a class in Oxfordshire. And I'm teaching everyone how to do this because it's so important for people to know you don't need the doctors. You can heal yourself because the mind is that powerful. Mm. We just find out what's causing it. It may be past lives. It may be this life. But whatever it is, we can find the answers. Yeah, and I was reading something um, in, in one of your books today. I think it was the Convoluted Universe 3. And you, you hit upon the idea that we should be talking to the cells in our body as yes. we, as if we are the higher self of those little beings that are in our body that make us who we are. Yes. Oh, that, that's, that's what people don't understand. Within your body is an entire universe. It is so they don't understand. And if you can talk to the cells in your body, they're not used to it. You know, if you talk to it about Oh, I love you, heart. You're doing a wonderful job. I think liver, you are doing a wonderful job and all the, you know, the complications you have to go through. I appreciate you. You speak to the cells in your body, and they really like this. They finally, somebody's paying attention to them because everything is alive. So whenever you do that, you speak to the cells in your body and talk to it and talk it back into health, that is one way you can do it. When you do that, you are the voice of God because you are talking to your own body. And they, this is what they perceive you as, as the God of their universe. So there's so many things people can find if they just look into this. But in this method I use, uh, they don't have to do it themselves. We just put them in trance, so they go very deep, they go into the past life that is appropriate for their life now, and they can get some explanations for problems. But then we go further than that, and we do talk to the higher self, which uh, gives them all the information about all the problems, all the questions that they have, and it can do instantaneous healing. And this is why I'm teaching it, because it is a really powerful method and we're getting verification from doctor's records and everything. And every disease, every illness you could possibly think of, we're able to help with this method. But we'll say something there, and then I'll go on to how it has evolved from there. Yeah. But that's my main focus is helping people. So I know that um, along your journey with, with um, people, when, whenever you did um, the trance work with people to take them into that state that you mentioned, the sambalistic state, is it? Um, yeah. It's almost like your clients found you. Um, there, there seems to be some kind of link between these people. It's like no accident they found you, and they were very good subjects to go into a deep level of trance. Have you found that some people can't go into trance, and you know, some are better than others? Everybody can be hypnotized. Everybody. There is no exception. Because this, I have clients coming to me, and like you said, I never have gone looking for any of them. I don't advertise. Uh, they've always found me, and I have a, I'm booked a whole year ahead because of the people. I, they just find me. But that's one of the things some of the clients will say when they come in. 
I can't be hypnotized. Many people have tried, and it doesn't work. I can't do it. And I said, I know I'm not going to have any problem at all because everybody can be hypnotized. There's no exception. The reason is because you're hypnotized most of the day and you don't even realize Mm. it. That's true, isn't it? It's very true. You think you you walk around wide awake, but believe me, you don't. (laughs) (laughs) We're probably being hypnotized by the TV as well and all the adverts. Definitely. And they know what they're doing, too. Mm. They are definitely putting subliminal suggestions through the TV. Absolutely. They have proven this. They have proved that that you are in a trance state the majority of the time. Uh, They hooked people up to a TV set. And they said the TV set will, you know, they know how to measure the brainwaves. There are different states of the brainwaves. Well, they hooked people up to the TV set, and they said the TV set will only stay on as long as you are in the wide-awake state you begin to drift over into the lighter trance states, which are called alpha, that's the lightest trance state you can go into, you begin to drift into that, the TV will go off. And everybody always said, oh, well, I know I'm wide awake when I'm watching television. But nobody could keep the TV set on more than 60 seconds. That's how quickly... Well, I mean, the thing you think I'm... Sorry... Carry Go on. ahead. I was thinking of the amount of people that drive cars and, um, and lose their focus that quickly. Oh, yes. That shows how quickly it can happen because you're concentrating on something. And the people who make the, the commercials know this. They know that you are uh, in a trance-like state when you're watching the TV. And so this is why they put the subliminal suggestions into the commercials. You know, buy this, buy that. And people aren't aware of what they're doing. But, um, you know, you know, everybody says whenever you're watching TV or if you're reading a book, you start laughing and crying with the program. And you get so involved in the book or the TV show, somebody can come in and start talking to you and you don't even pay attention no, to them. That's right. That is the trance state. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I was, I was quite intrigued with, with the, the subjects that came your way, was that they seem to link or carry on certain ideas um, and they were completely, they were geographically apart. So two completely different people, the higher self of that being would start a conversation with you about a subject and then it would be picked up across the globe by someone in Japan or something. Yes, that happens and that's what the amazing part of it is because the person I'm working with has no idea what I've already discovered and what I'm looking for for the next book, they don't know anything about any of that. But it will happen many times when I'm doing a session with somebody. Say I'm in England, and toward the end of the session, after we have done the therapy, we have found all the answers the person needs, then suddenly this voice will come in and say, Dolores, this is the next piece of information you need for your next book and it'll give me a concept or a theory I haven't even heard before. And then it will return to the normal session. And then maybe a week or so later, I'm back in the States, and I'm with another client who doesn't know anything about any of this. The same thing will occur, and they will expand on the original idea that they have given me. This, it's like putting a puzzle together. 
I get a piece here and a piece there. But it's, uh, that's why my books keep growing in complexity because of all the new information and new ideas and new metaphysical theories that keep coming out. Mm. Well, the convoluted universe, I mean, the, the ideas and concepts in there are absolutely mind-blowing. And I've got to be honest with you, I bought book three first and then I had to go back and read books one and two because I was completely hooked with the ideas in there. And they just felt, even though they were completely off the wall in terms of what mainstream uh, physics tells us they just felt yeah. familiar in some way they felt kind of right and that's how the universe is if we you know if we open our minds to it um so there's you know, some really good concepts in there when you when you were talking to the higher selves of the different uh subjects that you put into trance do you feel you were talking to two different higher selves or perhaps they you were sort of using them as like a conduit and actually reaching the same entity um this is what's amazing because uh it is like one huge and if you want to call it an entity it's much more complex than that much more bigger but it is not an individual thing because they all tap into the same thing i call it the subconscious but that's not really what it is you know because the subconscious the way the psychiatrist defined it that's a childish part of your mind I didn't know what else to call it, but when it began to happen, they said, we don't care what you call us. You can call us anything you want. So I, you can refer to it as the higher self, the oversoul, the higher consciousness. But it's so big and so huge, but yet it cares about every single person, and it knows everything about every single person. And it is so full of love, it really wants to help. But this is the idea that's hard for people to grasp. It's not like channeling, because it happens through everybody I work with. Same voice, same expressions, same uh, terminology, the same way of speaking. And it knows everything about the person. It knows what they need to help them. And because it can see the bigger picture, it knows all about your past lives. It knows why you have developed the uh, physical problem you have. So I just trust it to uh, talk and tell us what the answers are. But it is amazing. It is like one huge thing that knows everything and knows everything about everybody. So why not go to something like that? Yeah. Instead of depending on the stupid conscious mind, anyway. <laughs> so, so going back to the book you wrote, um, Conversations with Nostradamus, um, yeah. You know, a lot of the trains were kind of vague, and you know, a lot of people um, interpret them in their own way. And you know, through that book, he was able to get a clear insight into some of those um, prophecies. Do you feel that some of those prophecies are now happening? I mean, there seems to be a lot of things happening, especially 2010 this year. Things just seem to have exploded all over the planet. You know, with the with the weather, we had the oil spill, didn't we? Which is pretty close to your neck of the woods, I understand. I don't know if you've been affected by all the fumes off that. Um, I mean, what do you make of all the things that are happening right now? Oh, this is all part of the uh, the shifting into the new new consciousness, into the new vibration and frequency as we go into the new world. Uh, there's a lot happening. That's why I said it's an exciting time to live. But when I did the Nostradamus material, this was over 20 years ago. It was in the 80s. 
And uh, I mean, the only time that all of the 1,000 quatrains, the prophecies, have been correctly interpreted. Nobody else has ever done it. But I didn't do it. I don't do any of this. I'm just the facilitator. We were able to make contact with Nostradamus while he was living in his lifetime in France and when he was writing the prophecies. And so why not go to the one who wrote them and find out what it was all about? But one of the main things, and I lectured on this for 20 years, that was my main focus, and then now I've gone away from it and gone into the more complicated things. But the, one of the main things he kept stressing as we were having these conversations with him was that you can change the future. The future is not set in stone. It is, you can go in many different ways. He saw it as branches, branching out in all different directions, all the possibilities and probabilities from any action. And, you know, this happens in people's lives also. If you make one decision, your life could have gone in a totally different direction. So this is the same way with the world. There are all the probabilities and possibilities of what could happen. So he wrote down the worst, the absolute worst that he saw. Because he said, if I tell you the most horrible things man can do to himself, will you do something to change it? And many, many of the prophecies have come true. The books have been out there for over 20 years, and people say they read them, and it's like watching them happen on the news. But the, the one thing he did want us to tell people whenever I was doing the lecturing was that you don't know the power of your own mind that you create your own reality. And people don't like to hear that because they don't like what's going on in their life. But everything in their life they have put there. And once they understand that, then they can change their lives. It's the same with the world. He said, if I tell you the most horrible outcome, if you follow this path, then will you do something to change it if you realize the outcome of it? So he wanted us to do was shift to another path on these timelines where the results would be less or maybe just take it away altogether. And so that's the the thing when you read these prophecies and even with any psychics you go to, it's not set in stone. They are picking up a probability or a possibility if you follow that line. So now... Some of these prophecies, the worst that he saw, have not happened. And I think that means we have turned the corner and we are going down a different timeline. Because he said at that time, and that's what he wanted me to tell, I was traveling all over the world at that time, he said if, if one person's mind is powerful enough to change the future by focusing on the opposite of what he saw, focusing on peace and harmony, even in their own lives or in the world. If one man's per, uh, mind is that powerful, they can change it. He said, imagine the power of group mind. You get groups of people focusing on the opposite, focusing on peace and harmony. We could change the world because the power of group mind is not only multiplied, it's squared. And so that was what I was telling everybody. If you had metaphysical groups, you had prayer groups, anything where people met together 
to focus on the opposite of what he was showing us, and that would be our future. So I've watched it happen. By the year, the two, beginning of the 2000s, we were supposed to be in a horrible war with the Middle East. Yeah. Instead, it's, it's less than it could have been. Yeah, although so, there's a lot of saber-rattling still going on between Iran and North Korea, isn't there? There's always that kind of threat on the horizon. Yeah. So that's why it's not as bad as it was, and that's the way he wanted it to be. He wanted us to know so we could change it. So it doesn't mean that the interpretations in the book are incorrect. It just meant this was the the worst that would happen if we followed that path. So I know with the you know your the, the work you were doing, um, it it all suddenly shifted. So you were like regressing. Um, uh, patients, not patients, sorry, he was regressing your subjects and then all of a sudden the shift went from figuring out people's past lives and stuff like that to sort of talking about a, a shift in consciousness and yeah. uh -huh. which is really what the whole, I suppose a lot of people have sort of hooked on to the 2012 thing because of the Mayan calendar um, you know and it may be that date, it may be just that's a pivotal time where we start to wake up as people you know um, so just wondered, you know, what have you uncovered on that? Oh, I've uncovered a lot about it. This is what I'm lecturing on. And believe me, the date 2012 has no significance. They're making a lot more out of it than they think it should be. Uh, this, it's happening now. We're right in the middle of it now. All the changes are taking place at this moment. I noticed the beginning when my work began to change was about 2003. This is when we began to see something was actually happening. And uh, it's becoming more and more obvious now as the frequencies change and the vibrations change as we move into this new world and the new consciousness, as you want to call it. But by the year 2012, that just means at that point, the energy will have accumulated to the part that we will have moved over into this. But there won't be just like all of a sudden, one day, everything will change. It's a very gradual thing, and it's going on right now. And those who are aware can see what's happening. They can feel it. They know what's going on right now. But the date, I had people um, in my work who went back to when the, they were had lifetimes as the Mayans and the different Indian groups. You, you remember the Mayans disappeared, and the, there were other Indian groups, too, who just disappeared. Nobody knew what happened to them. They never knew where they went. And this is what I found when the ones who went back into those time periods and gave me the information was they became very advanced, and they were able to shift as a civilization into this new uh, vibration, this new frequency, this new dimension. And that's where we are going. And because they could see the future, they could see that the next big step for mankind would be when the entire planet moved into another dimension by changing the frequency and the vibration. And the date yeah. they put on that was 2012. That's when they stopped their calendar. But that didn't mean, it definitely doesn't mean the end of the world. This is why I get so many emails about that. No, it is not the end of the world. <laughs> it just means this is when the change will become very noticeable. But it's still not going to be you're going to wake up one morning and everything is totally different. 
it's a gradual thing, and we're in the middle of it right now. Yeah. It's all, I know this is this sound horrible, but whenever you, uh, things happen that are bad, you know, like uh, disasters, floods, that kind of thing, or, you know, like um, even sort of scandals, I guess, in governments, it allows yeah. people, to, it reveals the truth about something in order for other people to do something good and to change that. Yeah. So do you think it's, you know, we're going to get more and more of this, so it's more going to create opportunities to reveal truths, so then people can step in and change it and make it better? Yeah, this is part of what I'll be talking about in my lecture. What it is is the separating. You have the old earth and the new earth. The old earth is where all of these bad, these negative things are going to be left. They said the people who will stay with the old earth are those who are so much into negativity that they can't even see anything is happening. And they will stay with what they have created. So naturally they'll stay there. They can't change their vibration quickly enough to move to the other earth because it is a gradual thing. And so they don't, it doesn't matter. They are staying with what they want, what they, they are used to. But what I've been told, it doesn't make any difference anyway. Sooner or later, they will all get there to the new earth. But those that are waking up now, those are the ones that know something is going on, are the ones that will be moving into the new earth. And it's going to be a separation and a totally different reality than what they've had before. And see, it all has to do with karma, too. If you've accumulated karma, you can't move on because if you have karma, you have to keep coming back to repay that karma. Those are the ones who will stay with the old earth because they're caught on the wheel of karma and they have to keep coming back to work it out. But once you get over that, then you're free of that. You're free of the debts and what I call the baggage and the garbage you carry around. You can move on to the newer. But we're in the middle of it now. Everything is changing. People are waking up and notice, knowing they can't do the negative things they used to do. Now, none of this is really a new idea. It goes back to the Bible. In the book of Revelation, it talks about the new heaven and the new earth and about the separating, that some will be left and some will be taken. They said, you know, you'll be working side by side and one will be taken, one will be left. And this is what it was referring to. But the thing was that uh, John, when he had the vision on the Isle of Pathos 2,000 years ago, he didn't realize that what he was seeing wasn't going to happen for many, many years into the future. And of course, he wrote the book of Revelation in symbolism because he couldn't even begin to grasp what he was actually seeing. So this is what's happening now. But it's a natural thing, and it's, it's going to be very beautiful. But people can feel it. They can feel it in their bodies. They can notice it around them if they're really paying attention. But if you want to stay with the old earth, that is your choice. Everything is a choice. Well, I think you know, most people want peace, don't they? But it just seems that the, the old energy was about keeping people in fear, you know, having the control systems, the hierarchies, yeah. that sort of thing. And, um, and they, you know, they do, they do seem to be coming down. I mean, with the banking system, you know, some people worried, is it because it's by design and there's certain interest groups who want to bring it down or is it because of the energy? And I guess there's so much information on the internet, people get 
so bogged down, I haven't got a clue what it is, you know. Yeah. Um, but the question I just wanted to lead on to, really, from there, was that I know that you know, in earlier in your your career, you was a UFO researcher, and I know yes. that you know the the whole UFO thing really plays heavily into the whole awakening thing because obviously that truth has been hidden from you know mankind for you know a good part of a century, isn't it? Really. Oh yeah. And um, and really, you know, it's like we should be out there in the in the galaxy, really, with other species and they, and they seem to be now here in greater numbers keeping an eye on things well, they've been keeping an eye on things since the beginning of the world and that it's just that now people are finally becoming aware of it but you know it, it started in the end of the 1940s people began to see the first UFOs so, but it has been hidden all that time but I've been a UFO and, ET and abduction investigator for over 25 years. I've written uh, four books on it. And I have found the answers to anything anybody would want to know about them. And what I've found is positive. I have never found any negativity at all. And I've worked with many, many, many people. Like I said, I've found the answers anybody could want to know on any of this. And it is not negative. The negativity is what people want to put out there to frighten people. Actually, they're a very benevolent group. They've been taking care of us and watching us since the beginning of time. And, of course, they're here shaking their heads. They can't figure out why we keep making so many stupid mistakes. But they are bound by the... Uh, it's a rule. It's, it's the one in Star Trek, the uh, law of non-interference, that this... This planet and this group, the human uh, race, has been created to um, its free will. They said, give this beautiful planet a creature with intelligent and free will and see what he'll do with it. And then they have the ruling of non-interference. You cannot interfere in the developing civilization. You can just watch, and, and that's about all you can do. So they are watching and trying to help, but... They do have their rules and regulations, too. But yeah, the government, for since the beginning, has been trying to cover things up. But things seem to be slowly changing. The, um, the UK governments and some of the European governments have been releasing a lot of their um, files. And the most, I think the, the big bombshell uh, last week was the, the one about Winston Churchill and, and Eisenhower um, agreed to cover up a sighting from an RAF aircraft I think when they saw um, a UFO when they were returning from a bombing raid and that's just come out of the the UFO files so they seem to be releasing more and more stuff and it's no longer sort of saying maybe or allegedly it's they're kind of reporting it almost like fact yeah well I know uh, I think it was you or maybe it was the person arranging my lectures sent me that so I got to read it and I said we've known about that for 20 years or more yeah it's just now coming out in the UK because this has been in. See, I speak at all the UFO conferences in the world, and I know all the researchers. And there has been information covered up about these meetings and about the different presidents that were involved. It was all agreed. We can't tell people that they were afraid they were going to panic. And, and there were other reasons. They were thinking of religious reasons. They can't know there's other beings out there except this goofy human race we have mm. here. 
But I said, is this the best that, that God can do is create us? But uh, we have been, they have been covering things up for a long time. And I have heard the stories of the meetings with Eisenhower, with Churchill, and with several other um, important leaders at that time. There was a lot of things that happened. And on my radio show, I have interviewed some of the people who have the facts about those meetings. So when I read that about the one with Winston Churchill, I said, well, we've known this for a long time, but it never was released as a fact. It's always just been alleged. Mm. You think, well, they're they're letting it out then. They're letting it out, but it makes you wonder why. Is it because they know that it's coming, like it's inevitable that it's going to come out anyway, so they might as well do damage limitation and release the stuff now. Yeah, because uh, I feel they can't keep it hidden anymore. They keep trying because they said, well, we can't tell them it's real now. They'll know we've been lying to them all these years, to the people. And, well, so what? It's going to eventually come out anyway. Then they will say, yeah, why were you lying to us all these years? Mm. But it has been definitely a cover-up. Definitely. I think if they release it slowly, then it's in people's awareness that it could be real. So when they do drop the bombshell that it's real, people just yeah. don't run around scared, do they? It's well, see, in people. the States, uh, people, I guess, are more used to this idea. They've been exposed to it longer, I guess. Well, yeah, you've been that, quite... uh, yeah, they've been releasing these things uh, for, I don't know, 40 years, tw- the last 20, 30 years anyway, it's been little pieces been dropped here and there. And so, but the government never came out and said it's true, but it's coming from other sources, other other ways that it's getting into the mainstream. Mm. Have you ever seen a, a UFO yourself? Uh, no, I haven't. Uh, I prefer it that way, because that way I can be an objective observer. I thought if I was involved in the whole thing, it'd be harder for me to be objective because I get so many people coming to me. Uh, uh, I've learned to tell the real cases from the ones that aren't. They're the, what I call wannabe. I don't know if you know that word or, men yeah, or not. Do, yeah. They wannabe, and they want to be involved. Oh, yeah, I've been abducted. I've seen all these UFOs because they just want to be a part of it, and there's no truth in what they're saying. So I've learned to tell the difference between the ones who just want to get it in there for whatever reason and the ones that are real. Yeah. You see, the ones that are real cases don't want anyone to know about it. What's the most mind-blowing thing you've uncovered, though, when you've you know regressed somebody that's been abducted or something? I don't think it's mind-blowing because I do it all the yeah, time. Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to me, it's very natural. And it all fits a pattern because they all say the same thing. They all give the same information. There's no contradiction. And that always, to me, that in any of my work, if you have that, that adds validity to it. If they're all saying the same thing without knowing what I've already heard and what I've already uh, investigated. Because I don't tell them. We just see what they have to say. But to me, it's very natural because I understand why it's happening. I understand why they're here. And they're very loving uh, beings, very positive. So so what's the main being that you come across? Is it because the greys is the one that seems to be bounded around quite a lot, isn't it? The big eyes, the the thin body. Yeah. Is that that the main group that are here? I mean, how many groups do you feel are here? 
Oh, there's so many, it's hard to count. <laughs> and they all working together? Are they kind of working differently, different agendas? No, yeah. no, they're all working together. It's rather like uh, Star Trek or Star Wars, that kind of thing. Uh, uh, we've had people go on ships where there were so many different uh, types of beings on those ships, and they all work together. And it's all communication mind to mind. Everybody keeps talking about the little greys. They have a very bad rap because, believe me, they are not doing near what people think they are doing. The little greys are like a robotic-type being. They were created and built. It's just that it's not like a robot that you think of. That's what they've told me. It's not like you think of a robot with mechanical parts. It's a biologically created robot. Right, okay. They're they're created to do the work. I said they're the workers. They're the... Uh, like the interns in the hospital, they're the ones that are programmed to go and do their job. They're not programmed to think. That's why a lot of the people say they, they don't seem to have any emotion because they're not programmed. They're just to do what they're supposed to do. Yeah. There are the huge laboratory ships that orbit way out of, above our atmosphere. They're called the mother ships, the, the laboratory ships. On those, you have the tall grays the ones that are over seven foot tall, and they're the laboratory workers, the doctors, if you would, who are examining all these things that are being brought back to them. This is a long subject. I don't mm. want to get into it too yeah. much. I've let yeah. it I mean, out. Just in a nutshell, I mean, some people say that they're doing biological tests on us, but or are they just keep... That's why I'm trying to condense it down, but it's like the, the little graves were created by them to do the job for them. And you know, doesn't it make sense? They're going to make it look like a replica of themselves. If we create a robot or biologically created being, it's going to look a little version of ourselves. Now, one thing is important. Um, They don't like to come into our atmosphere, into our vibration on Earth. I've been taking a drink because they don't like the density, the heaviness of Earth. It's a very, very dense planet. They don't like to be here. It's very difficult on their bodies because of the the vibration here. So they have created these little beings who can withstand the heaviness and the density. And they are always seen in the smaller craft. That's because that's what they operate in. And they can come in and out of our atmosphere and into the density without being affected. If they were to, the larger beings and the other types try to come in, it's too difficult on their body. Their body can't take it. So they want to be comfortable, so they would rather invent these little groups that can go down and do it. Uh, some people have talked about seeing tall blondes or things like that in their rooms. That is not the being themselves. It is a holographic projection of the being into the room because for the same reason, they don't like the the way it makes their body feel when they come into this dense, heavy vibration. And another thing along that line, I guess, if you want me to continue with it, yeah, is um, they travel by raising the vibration and frequency of the craft. So many people will see that. They will see a light in the sky, and then all of a sudden it will just blink out. 
or all of a sudden there's a and there's nothing there, and all you'll see a light or two all of a sudden blink on and begin to move. That's because they are traveling back and forth through dimensions by raising and lowering the vibration of the craft. So when it enters our dimension, it suddenly flashes on. It's I guess you would say it is like Star Trek with the. Uh, when they say engage and all of a sudden they are they are mock whatever it is, you know, and they are going so fast. It's the same idea. Same idea, but they it's think, beyond that. Because yeah, they they're sort of consciousness craft, aren't they? Biological craft with consciousness rather than yeah. electronic. Yes, we have found those also. I have found just about everything you could think of. There are several different types of craft that are the different types of being uh, are used and some of them are almost like they're alive and other ones are made out of parts and mechanical and some of them can morph and turn into different shapes and change their shapes there's all kinds and I've worked with the uh, crop circle investigators too for, since 1992 I know all of the investigators there in your own country yeah and those are amazing also yeah, there's some brilliant crop circles, and we tend to go down and visit them um, when we can as well. And you know, there's some there that are definitely real. And unfortunately, there are people out there that do fake them, which is unfortunate. Yeah, but they are faking the real ones. But the real ones, you can tell. There's um, you know, to do with the way the corn goes down and doesn't break the nodes, does it? And also, they found like it kind of sucks in um, little metallic particles that are coming through the, the atmosphere. So it's some sort of magnetic force. That yes. created them. Yes, they I know how they're created, and I know why they're they're there, and I know what the purpose of them is. So, what, what is the so, purpose? Okay, it's a language. It's like a symbolic language. Yes, this is how the ETs communicate, because they don't use um, the way we do words, and it's all mind to mind. They think we're very comical. They said, you know, all the expressions on our face and. See, this is why people people think that they look uh, threatening because uh, the face is like a mask. Well, they have gone beyond the use of their mouths and all of that. They no longer have to eat food. They live off of light, but they don't have to communicate verbally. They do it mind to mind. So naturally, if you, the muscles aren't used, they're going to atrophy. So they said what actually looks threatening to people is just because they don't use those muscles anymore. But they think we're strange because they said you have all these motions, your mouths are always moving, your hands are always moving, <laughs> all these strange yeah. noises coming out of your mouth. And they said you have to put one word behind the next word to make a sentence, to make a paragraph, and it takes so long. They said, why do you have to do that? You can communicate with symbols, and that's how they do it. One symbol will contain uh, blocks and blocks of information. It will contain an entire concept in one symbol, and that's how they communicate. So yeah. what the crop circles are is just uh, a symbol that contains, contains blocks of information. And it doesn't matter if you are in the crop circle or if you just see a picture of the symbol, it conveys tons of information into your own mind. It is inserted into the human brain on the cellular level. 
And I asked them, well, why would you do this? They said, because in the future, which is now, these changes we are going through, they said, you're going to need this information. It will be greatly helpful for you to understand what's happening and being able to survive. And the future, you will need this information, and you'll have it, and you won't even know where it came from. Because mm. at the moment, if we look at them, you know, if you're somebody that just loves geometry, you get something from it. If you're somebody that just enjoys the magic of something being created in a mysterious way, you love it. It's just something about them that just grabs you. If they talk to you, they will talk to you, but you won't understand it on a conscious level. Well, you, prob- you probably know Lucy Pringle. You probably had her on your show, I think, haven't you? I haven't. And I, haven't no, I know who she is, though. She's the lady that flies over and takes the pictures. Oh, yes. Yes, and one she's, she's a very good friend of mine. And she was on my show, and she talked about uh, how she interviewed somebody who saw them being created. And it was the first time that I've ever heard of anyone actually seeing it happen. And it was done with energy. And I said, that's what I found also. It's done with energy coming from the next dimension that is creating it. Because she said many cases that she's investigated, she would fly over a field and nothing there. And five minutes later, she flies back, and you have this elaborate design. Yeah. Especially like the one that was called the Juliet set that was right mm. across from Stonehenge. Yeah, I know. That um, appeared in five, five minutes. Well, there was, um, there's, a, there's a video on um, Colin Andrews, I think it's Colin Andrews' website, and he's there with a film crew, and there's a, a plasma ball in the distance hovering over a crop circle and then suddenly you get a black helicopter coming in and it's chasing the plasma ball and then another, <laughs> another helicopter comes in and starts to intimidate Colin Andrews and his film crew and it comes in really <laughs> low but you can see it on the video, it's amazing Uh huh. Well, well I, I know Colin Andrews but I haven't seen that video. Yeah, it's, it's actually on Stephen Greer's website as well the, um, uh, the project one he does. What's that one to do with the? Um, yeah. Well, the name escapes. Yeah, me. I don't. Uh, yeah, I know all of these investigators. Yeah. Course, I'm yeah. not into the conspiracy because I haven't found any of that. Mm. But you know that would go along with the government trying to keep people from knowing what was happening. But that's what I've found. It is done with energy, and the energy is from another dimension. And uh, most of the time, you're not going to see it because it happens too quickly. Mm. But it's a language, and the the language is in the symbol, and this is transferred into the the mind at the subliminal level. That's fantastic. Um, we're sort of getting nearer to the end of the show now, so um, just before we wrap it up, I just want to make people aware of your the the, the workshop that you're doing. Is, is it a workshop, or are you just doing a lecture and then allowing people to ask questions and answers? The the lecture at the Waldorf Hilton is a regular lecture. I think it's going to be about three hours long, and I always ask, I allow room for people to ask questions. But I'm mostly going to be focusing on, you know, what we're going into now with the new earth and the changes that are happening, the awakening, and to, you know, what you can do to do it, to be into this. And it's a very important time. So we will be allowed to ask questions at that lecture. And then the next week, that same weekend, uh, the uh, September 3rd to the 5th, I will give one of my classes. And this is in uh, Farringdon. Am I pronouncing that right? Oh, Farringdon. 
uh, in Oxfordshire. Oh, Oxfordshire. Right, yeah. okay. Oh, that's all the information I have about it. You can probably check on our website. But that's September the 3rd to the 5th. And this is where I teach what I do. This new method of hypnosis that I've discovered and that I've spent 30 years now perfecting it to where I can teach it to other people. And I'm teaching it all over the world and people are having fascinating results with it. With the healing and with the all, getting the information. I've taught many, many classes in Australia, and they are really taking this and running with it. They're having the same miracles happen that I'm having. Mm. But at that class, it's going to be uh, Farringdon in Oxfordshire, and that's uh, the, I think that's a Friday, September the 3rd to the 5th. And you don't have to be a practicing hypnotist to take the class. I thought in the beginning, I've been teaching the classes now for eight years, and I thought you had to be a practicing hypnotist to understand what I was doing. Then I found that those people, they can take it, but those people are hampered because they've been trained to just do something in a certain way and not to ask any questions. And when they come in, I say, forget everything you've been taught. We're going to teach you a totally different way of doing this. And I had a lot of people who were coming up to me after that first class saying, please let me take it. I, I'm a healer. You know, they've learned uh, maybe Reiki, energy work. They're, all they want to do is help people, and they have a passion. If anyone has a passion and wants to learn this to help people, they're allowed to take the class. So there are not any strict qualifications. Anyone can take it that really desires to learn. Excellent. Okay, so if, if people want to go to a website and find out about these events, are they all listed on, on your website? Yes. Uh, they can. The name of my company is Ozark Mountain Publishing because we are a publisher and we have about 40 other authors, not just my books. And some of our authors are living uh, in England too. But... They can go to the website. The name of my company is Ozark Mountain Publishing, but it's abbreviated on the website. And for in your country, I, you pronounce it uh, www.ozarkmt.com. Ozarkmt.com. It's abbreviation for mountain. Yeah. Or you can just type in... Um, my name, DoloresCannon.com, and it'll come up. Yep. If you want to Google it, it comes up on the Google, too. We've also got the, the events posted and listed on our website as well at thespiritguides.co.uk. So you can just do a search for Dolores Cannon, and um, you'll find the workshops on there as well. So uh, yes. with, with that, Dolores, been, you've been a wonderful guest. Um, very, very interesting. Um, and uh, I'm sure people look forward to uh, coming to see you and learning more about the awakening process anyway so thanks again Dolores okay and if anyone wants to, to attend these check the website out I can't give out an 800 number it won't work from your country <laughs> you check out the website and get more information you can email if you have any questions then. alright and I'm All right. looking forward to being there in just a few weeks Okay. Well, thank you very much, Dolores, and um, goodbye. Okay, and thanks for having me.